gang, Backcountry and Barbell, Stereo Jeremy Day, um, getting ready for um, elk season. Let me, Jeremy, I got, um, you know, I, I've been doing a lot of fishing, right? You know this. And yeah. we're actually going to go out on the 11th with the guy that I went out with my uncle. Uh, Brett's a good local guide. And um, he does these like boulder hopping trips. So I thought it'd be fun to get the legs ready and, you know, whatever. Um, but, you know, I thought. I thought all this fishing was keeping me from actually getting ready for elk season. And it was cause I was excited about it. But the thing that has got me, I am, I hit a switch in the last couple of days to just be like all in on elk. Like today I spent three hours at the range shooting. Wow. That's a long time. I was just, it, all of a sudden I looked at my clock. I was like, Oh wow. Where'd the time go? Um, but, uh, you know what it was, you know what the trigger was? What? Guess. Play the game with me. Guess. <laughs> oh, darn it, man. I'm not good at these games. I, what I you, suck at the 20 question game and all that. What do you think would motivate somebody to really get into elk season? Um, well, me... the opening date is coming up soon, okay, so, so you have to have your preparation. That's part of it. Okay, so I've, I've actually, you know, as, as you flip the calendar, you know, we went from June to July. So now all of a sudden August is close. So that's part of it, but that's not the big thing. So you're close. So it wasn't time. Um, oh, let me give you a hint. Um, it has to do with my freezer. It's empty. Yeah, I, I cooked my last bit of elk burger. <laughs> um, and I was like, oh, crap, there's no more game in the freezer. So um, there's a bit of a meat crisis. You know, not, not truly a meat crisis. I mean, you know, I can go buy some sirloin and do the butcher box thing or whatever, you know, we have access to good meat, but I don't have access to the best meat anymore. So I was just like, you know, I'm jacked up. So now we got to get this thing going. So now I'm, I'm, I'm on full go to, um, make sure we fill, fill this thing up. So, uh, are you, are you feeling it, man? It's close, right? Oh, dude, I, I know. I, well, what triggered me is that it was, I was like, I looked at the calendar and I go, it's July, August. Holy smokes. There's only like, Eight or nine weeks for preparation. Yeah, giggling about it like a little girl. I'm fired up. I know, dude. It's, I'm pumped. So we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten weeks. Yeah. Well, and you know, you, you think, ah, that's a long time, but it's not. I mean, I'll write, it, no, it'll come up on you. Yeah, I'll write a twelve week cycle for somebody. You know, lickety quick, and you know, all of a sudden you're here, there, and they're testing out, and it, it happens really fast. I mean, you're right in that. I would say you're right right now. I would have to say you're into like preseason training. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if there's any if there's any real discrepancies in your game, you you have to really hard charge what's going on there. And um, I actually wanted to start that off with some low hanging fruit that's probably like a physical limitation for most folks. Um, and it's something you brought up last week that we didn't get to because we were kind of we kind of got sidetracked by a really good conversation, which is pull ups and upper body strength. Um, but, but you were saying your hamstrings were, were a little tight and, um, you know, posterior chain work is something that, you know, if, if somebody wanted to like really target something in training, you know, 10, 12 weeks out from their, their, their thing, and they wanted to like increase range of mo motion, get something stronger. A lot of times posterior chain stuff is, is a weakness and it, you know, hammering, hammering something like that can really pay off dividends, but now would be the time to really get after it rather than managing something you're not good at. We're right in that window where maybe yeah. you really need to focus on it. So, so can, what, what, 
What was going on with your hamstrings, man? You said they were tight, they were loose. Well, so I went in um, to uh, the chiropractor the first time in like 10 years. Okay. And um, he was doing some stuff on my lower back. And then he's like, man, your hamstrings are super tight. Uh-huh. And I get, and it's weird because I stretch every single day. I mean, on my the exercise program you do, I do do the program, and then after that, I do 15 minutes of stretching. But I usually do the bend over and touch the toes. And he says, no, 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 just throw your heel up on something, mm. keep your back straight, and lean forward. And and so I've been doing that like two, three times a day when I just kind of think of it world of difference man my stuff's starting to loosen up a little bit so i think what it was was i just i must have been cheating or something when i was bending over grabbing my toes i yeah maybe plus sometimes when you do that i guess you kind of you can lean forward you can it's not isolating those specific the hamstring the calf and all that stuff yeah and i think your your chiropractor brings up a good point that even is brought up in the supple leopard stuff you know and, and kelly starrett and all the ready state business that they do but you know, when you mobilize, you should mobilize like in the position that you're trying to optimize. You know, and if you think about like guys who want to get off in the woods and, you know, even if you're sitting in a tree stand or even, you know, if you're pounding, if you're pounding, um, if you're pounding trails, you're doing that from a standing position. So I like the advice, you know, stretch in that standing position because yeah, that, that, you know, how often are you sitting in the woods with your legs straight reaching for your toes? I I can't recollect one time, Joe. Yeah. yeah, So, so yeah. So like, you should really try to mobilize in 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 things that in positions that are going to be as close to as possible as what you're going to be doing in the woods. So I think that's pretty cool. Um, That's one thing. So getting range of motion in there, and I think posterior change stuff is is cool to talk about because there's lots of things that um, we do that shorten it up. Right? We sit a lot. we're at desks a lot, we're in the car a lot, and we don't have great posture because our phones are in our hands and some things like that. So a lot of these weird habits that form because of how we utilize technology in our day-to-day life can really shorten up the, the can shorten up the hamstrings. And then what's, what's interesting, too, about guys who are getting ready for the woods or getting ready for training, like now all of a sudden you're sprinting more, maybe you're running, maybe you're picking stuff up, maybe you're... Maybe you're um, wearing your pack more so now all of a sudden the posterior change exposed because you're training more and then all of a sudden like we talked about way early back in the show is you're only as strong as your weakest link and a lot of times for folks it's that posterior chain so whether it's like and and what is your posterior chain oh so that's you think anything behind you like calves hamstrings glutes lower back you know all the way up to your traps so think about if you were to like um if you were to cut yourself in half where you know your nose is one half and then your back end and your ass and your shoulders are the other half posterior <laughs> chains what's in what's behind you right so you know and for, and for lots of reasons you know those muscles get neglected you know what i mean for and i think for one of them is you don't see them you know you look in the mirror and everyone wants to hit push-ups and everyone loves to do push-ups because you know, you hit them push-ups, and then you get in the mirror, and you're like, okay, I did something. You see it. Right, right, right. right. Then you hit pull-ups in rows, and you just, you know, you walk by the mirror, and you're like, man, I should have done more push-ups. You know, because you can't, you can't see them, right? So I think you lose sight of it. And, and, and they're, they're harder ones to they're, – they're harder muscles to work for that reason. And then – but, two, they they're also – they're really debilitized, debilitated 
debilitized. Uh, they're really de uh, debilitated by, you know, habits. Like even right now, I'm sitting on this hard chair. If you think about how you sit, when you're seated, your hamstrings get really short. And then when you sprint, perhaps, that's when they would be at their longest. So think about what humans do most days now. I mean, we used to kind of mill around, walk around. We'd sprint a little bit to chase things, and we were maybe baling hay. And, you know, as you get more industrialized, and now where a lot of us are involved in tech some way, or teaching or sitting or riding in your car, but now all of a sudden we've taken it to that place where most of the time our hamstrings are short, and that's just bad. So you have to balance that out. And it's really tough to just get right into sprinting and lunging and that crazy stuff. So, um, you know, I think it's a place that folks need to probably, if you're gearing up or ramping up your training in some way, shape, or form, before you go super hard, you need to spend time strengthening and mobilizing that posterior chain. So, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's actually been loosening up my lower back and everything. I mean, it's been it's been pretty nice. And like I said, I stretch every single every day. Yeah, but it's the right stretch, I guess. Yeah, the right stretch and and, and not cheating it right. Um, I think a really cool. A really cool warm-up that I'll do to just get that thing activated is I kind of, um, I call them like heel-to-toe walks. So if you can imagine the first stage in this warm-up drill, and like when I warm up to train, like I don't do a lot of static stretching. Like the stretch you were talking about, you know, prop your leg up and reach for your toe. I'll do that at the end, and I'll hold that for like two to three minutes. And I think that kind of static stretching is really good post-workout when your muscles are vulnerable, you've worked them. You know, it, you can elicit some recovery response by slowing down, breathing slow through your nose and, and stretching. But uh, pre-workout for warming up your hamstrings, a really simple uh, drill that I like is just what I call a heel-to-toe walk. So the first part of this is you can imagine just kind of marching like a pigeon, kind of heel-to-toe. You know, toes forward. Right. And your steps are really small, right? So then what I'll do is if you can imagine your right foot in front of your left foot, heel-to-toe, I'll keep my back leg um, uh, flexion in it like it's bent. I'll keep my front leg straight, and then I'll just kind of reach for my toes as far as I can where I'm thinking about just sliding my hand down the front leg. And I'll go down as far as I feel tension, and then I'll stand back up, repeat with the other side. And what I'll do is over like 10 meters or, you know, 10 yards, however far I'm going to march, I'll march forward and backward. And over the course of that march, I just try to reach a little further each step rather than trying to force myself into the end range. And that kind of heel to toe march is just a really simple, really dialed in warm up where it looks like hiking a little bit, right? Because you're actually moving, you're actually walking, and you're actually with each step, if you tinker with breathing and going slow, you can really see the increase in range of motion that you're creating by um, by that really simple drill. So maybe what I'll do is, uh, is that is that can you can you imagine what I just said? Does that make yeah sense? yeah totally completely especially because I'm sitting here doing it while you're talking. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> something easy to do. Um, so uh, you know that that's a really simple one. I mean, we were talking about you know when you're working your hamstrings, you know they can get tight, right? And they get tight for lots of reasons. One, because they're not used to being used. And then two, you are fatiguing them. You're, you're working them. I mean, some of the drills that we've put you on were different things, especially if you're hitting those swings hard, you're doing those cleans the right way. Even if you squat right, um, I mean, you can, you can really wake those hamstrings up in a bad way if you're not careful. 
Yeah, no, and I've I've noticed a huge difference in in uh, my strength and everything. Especially today, I went out and cut down five trees on my property, and usually I'm wiped out. And I cut down the five trees, bucked them, and then usually that's the end. And then the next day, I'll go and just um, pack the um, bucked ones, and then the third day I'll chop them. But today I did everything. Help a, help a brother out. What do you mean? Did you you said bucked it? Buck them. Yeah, I put them in uh, 18-inch um, increments. Okay. Cut the whole tree down into 18-inch uh, increments. Uh, I hear you. I, was, I thought you said something else. <laughs> Kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I do have a funny story about that today, though. Yeah, go for it. I want to hear, you know. And, and listen, not, not to cut you off before you get into your story, but that's... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's finish that, and then we'll go back to my story. That's training, what you did. You know, like... I got these yeah. guys who I'm working with and they're like, Oh, you know, coach, I didn't hit the program today. Cause I had this, this, that, and the other thing. And this came up and I rode the bikes with the kids. I'm like, Hey, well that's training too. Right? Like what you did there. What, I mean, what's going to simulate better for, for the mountains than cutting down five trees and bucking them up. Right. I mean, you're going through <laughs> everything that you need right there. So I think that's fired up, man. Yeah, no, it's uh, I love it. I'm pretty pooped. Yeah. I went five hours straight and, Two hours I was chopping wood and um but like I said, normally I'm pretty wiped out. But I was I was telling Michelle, I was like, Man, I feel so good. And my knees. My knees haven't felt this good in ten years, fifteen years. You're a young man again. I am. <laughs> well, it's just doing the right right movements, right? Not overdoing it, I guess. Where before I was kind of sneaking a, a few things in each workout. So what's the story? You said you're gonna. It was, is the funny story that you're just feeling great? Or no, 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 no. But um, so normally I could put a tree right where I want it, right? Okay, so you're talking about you. So you go out there. I was following the trees like legit way. Like you have a you have a plan when you cut a tree down. It's not just. I like, have a complete plan. I want it to fall <laughs> a certain spot. It's gonna go right in that spot, and it always does until today. Okay. So I'm cutting the tree <laughs> and the damn thing goes the opposite direction right towards my house. And then it hits a tree, hit, hits a bigger tree, kind of bumps over and then takes out my woodshed. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> the woodshed so, right by the woodshed right by your, right by your driveway there. Yeah. And the, and the tree landed right in front of the drive, right in front of the garage door. Do you know, do you, um, can you learn from this mistake? Do you know what happened or is it just a freak? Oh yeah. I just, um, <laughs> I, I went backwards of how I normally cut the tree, which is was stupid. And then I hit the chicken coop. I downed a tree over and hit the chicken coop. Uh Oh, you're out of practice. It seems, sir. Dude, I was so pissed <laughs> off. And then, then the third, so the third one was a way bigger tree. It was like a 36 inch diameter tree. And the other ones are about 20, 24. And uh, that one, I put right where I wanted, baby. Okay. I was like, I'm not doing this again. But I was nervous the whole time. I'm like, man, I don't want to wipe out the chicken coop and the um, everything back there. So I thought you were going to tell me you you hit the Silverado. I was like, you just got that thing. I, mean, I don't want to. I shouldn't even have said that. I don't even want to put that on you. I, well, here, here, park at the bottom Joe, of the hill. Joey took it. Okay. <laughs> Did he? So he got it out of here. Otherwise, I would have probably hit it. Yeah. yeah. So how did, let me, let me, you know, as I pick your brain here, 
about uh-huh. chopping down trees. Do you, do you have a method for picking the ones you're going to fell? Is that the right word? Fall? Fall? <laughs> yeah. So the um the no, these ones are these were all dead. I usually only cut the ones that are dead. Yeah. So that's the only reason why I cut them down. Otherwise, uh, you don't want to cut like up here we have so much big timber on our property. You've seen it. Yeah. If you start cutting a couple two three of those, then what you do is you the wind those are my wind barriers. So you cut two or three or four down and then all of a sudden you you create this um I don't know, can gust in and then take down and then push down the bigger trees. Oh, okay. And they'll fall on the house. So well, reminds, I just take the dead ones. That reminds me. I mean, look, we have some interesting timber out here, and you can't replicate what, what's out here out east. But when we were in North Carolina, there's very tall, thin um, pine trees. And uh, that was always scary, watching those things work in the wind and, you know, what was going to happen. And um, you're right. I mean, there's, there's, there's strength in numbers in all we do, even in trees, right? Absolutely. Yeah, so... Um, no, that, that's cool though. But I mean, what you did is that, that's probably the best work for getting ready for elk camp, I think, because, um, elk camps work, man. And it's not predictable work. It's not work right. you can like isolate in the gym and replicate. And, you know, when you're talking about, you know, pulling trees, hacking at trees, moving trees, I mean, that's the stuff that's going to get all those interesting muscles, you know, that you're not going to hit in, hamstring curls and tricep extensions right and but but that's also why when we talked about manipulating your program that's why we started throwing in like the sandbag cleans and stuff because those big compound yeah. movements do get a little bit of everything that, but the cool part about the training is you can isolate things for for safety so then what what's really cool is the training we put you on sounds like it's working if you were able to go out and knock down five trees and pull them around and 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 come out of that feeling good that means you're probably on the right program you know what i mean no i i I 100 agree that's fired up man yeah i feel good i can't wait to go and i think next week i'm gonna start skateboarding again now that my foot's hurt are feeling better be careful you know when we talk about let me give you so when we were in football camp we weren't supposed to be on bicycles and and things like that when you're in that august window going into the first game and getting ready for camp the you know, no, nothing new, nothing crazy. Watch yourself. We don't, we don't. <laughs> but, but funny, funny story on my yeah, My old age now, wiser when I'm out there. I don't try to do the, you know, McTwist and stuff anymore. Well, I know what that's like. Um, you know, people get competitive and things happen. So watch out. But, but yeah. you also can't protect yourself. I know when we were walking around with the kids the other day, we were up at, um, oh man, uh, we got up to Hell's, uh, not Hell's, um, we got up to Hurricane Ridge. You ever been up there? In oh, Olympic, no, I've heard it's beautiful. Port Angeles. So we were in Olympic National Park, and we were actually out at Ruby Beach, and it was all cloudy and gray, and my wife was bummed. She was like, man, I really want to go out to Hurricane Ridge. It's it's a good drive from there, but um, I want to catch, she wanted to catch the views. But I was like, ah, it's not, it doesn't look like there's going to be much of a view. It's gray. And she goes, I don't know. Let's let's take a shot. And we went up there, and about 20 minutes from us getting to Hurricane Ridge, the sky opened up, and it was clear. I don't know if you – I posted a couple, nice. I posted a couple of pictures of it. It was amazing. I actually saw – I did see it. 
Actually, we actually saw three elk. We saw about eight deer. We saw a bunch of groundhogs. You know, those those animals are smart. They know they're protected. Good for them. But uh, but walking down from that trail with Charlie, not at some kind of crazy pace, just kind of doing my thing. Um, I kind of turned my ankle in a funny way, and I thought I blew. Oh. I thought I blew my ankle up. I thought I broke my foot. Um, but you know, hold it, Jeremy. Yeah, Doctor Shamanic here. My wife, she looked at it. She goes, "You're fine. There's nothing. It's not swollen." I'm like, "Good." But but so the, did you stop crying at that point, or did you keep going on and on? I stopped bitching. You know, I stopped bitching a long time ago. She don't care what you know. I could come. I could. That could be a nail in my head, and she, you know, and the kids might, you know turn a turn a fingernail the wrong way and i'm forgotten about so <laughs> there ain't no use in even you know griping about it. i'm glad i got a little bit of attention in that regard but but i guess the point is too you still have to live your life right you don't want to yeah you can't you can't create these funny vacuums and not train and to be safe so but but that's what it is you're walking that line you're, you're sorting some things out and you're getting it going but um I think, folks, the the point of this initial part of the show here is to get folks as you're thinking about ramping up your training or or getting things dialed in. I, I pay attention to some of those those muscles in the posterior chain, the hamstrings, the glutes, especially the glutes, because they're such a big player in going up hills. And if you're attacking elk, you're going to be stomping up hills and some stuff like that. So um, the the other thing I might recommend for folks, and I actually got this from. You know Brian Call. He's uh, uh he he does yeah. some cool content and um, talking to the him. Pretty moment. Yeah. Um. And just you know, guys post drills and and you you make a comment or two. And I asked him on a post, you know, what he thought how heavy the back squat needed to be in terms to like simulate uh, time in the woods. And his actually response was a pretty good one is that he just thought lunge variations were a better simulator for the woods. And that's why right around now I start to get away from squatting patterns so much. And I really start to emphasize lunging patterns. Um, but one lunge that I've never really done a lot with is that reverse step lunge. So that's another great way to just isolate some posterior chain stuff. So if that reverse step lunge, you stand with your feet straight and you actually step back rather than step forward. But, um, that I found that is a really good strengthening drill. Really simple. It's one that anyone can do right now, even if you're stuck in some kind of still COVID situation, or you just want to be, you know, you you're someone who's just deciding that I don't feel like going to the gym right now. But you can you can load that drill in any number of ways, whether it's a barbell on your back, a kettlebell at your side, um, your pack on your back. But that reverse step lunge is a really great way to. To now, you know, we've warmed up the hamstring with that kind of uh, heel-to-toe march with a reach, and then we can strengthen it with some kind of loaded reverse lunge. And um, I've had some good success with that. Did, or do you have reverse lunges in your spot, in your setup? That's what I always do. That's what I've always done. Do you ever load it anyway? Yeah, I do. So in this workout that you got me doing um, on the lunges, that's what I do. And then I throw... Um, 30 pounds on one side. Sweet. And then I'm going to bump it up here to 60 next week. Yeah, and you know what? Only I, because I don't have I don't have um, anything in between 30 and 60. Yeah, and, you know, I think that's smart. And, like, you know, there's also some cool research. You know, there's a cool doctor. A, I don't know if he's a physical, physical therapist or a doctor or a surgeon, but Stuart McGill, 
does some he did some cool research that showed that these strongman type moves where you load things on one side are actually really great core drills and it's the, I think the best core exercises you can do to get ready for elk season because um, you know if you load something relatively heavy on one side the other side has to compensate so as you work through those lunges um, it's just a really a fun way to do it so like just exactly like you did you could do sets of eight with a kettlebell on your right side and then alternate your steps and then slowly bump the weight and the reps up in fun different ways but my recommendation if you really want to play with this reverse lunge for the next 12 weeks maybe if, like for the next three weeks you could just do it with body weight and you might want to go from like you know sets of 8 to 12 to then sets of 15 and then maybe that third week you might try to do something like 100 lunges for time to really push it and then after you do your 100 yeah. lunges for time now you start to load it and now maybe you take your 30 pound 60 pound bell whatever you're going to hold and then you repeat the process for three weeks eight reps to 12 reps for maybe three to four sets then maybe for four to five sets you're going to go you're going to bump up the reps and then you have some kind of test where maybe you're going to do you know how many can you do in five minutes now but then that third cycle as you approach elk camp now you might want to load your pack. Now, it, you know, and the point here is the closer you get to your actually season, your actual season, your training should really begin to look like it more. And the further away from you are, you can maybe do some things to manipulate some weaknesses. So it's just something to consider as you're building a program out. You know, it's something that I consider doing. And, and right now as we're in that 9 to 12-week window, it's something to really think about. And, um, you know, just some ideas on strengthening the posterior chain, not just opening it up. And then if you really get into it afterwards, you know, do your static stretching that you were talking about. And I think it'd be a home run. If you literally, guys, I would say if you don't have any time, you need to find 15 minutes, 20 minutes, three days a week and kind of go through a simple lunging protocol. I mean, I know lots of guys that we've talked to, they're like, man, uh, you just need to want to do it, <laughs> right? And I'm just like, <laughs> yeah. I don't think that's enough. I just, I don't think, I mean, you know, all things being equal, I'd rather be stronger. You know, all things being equal, I'd rather train for it and need it and not have it than have it and not need it. Or if I screwed that up, I think you all know, you know what I'm talking about. But, man, we're in that window where you should be, if you're paying money and you're buying gear and you're, you're e-scouting, man, find the time to start working. You know what I mean? And get ready for the wood so you can notch that tag. Well, yeah, and you won't regret it. That's for damn sure. No, I don't think so. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I like hearing that. All right. <laughs> Fired up. So, so yeah. aside from the physical stuff, which which is awesome, um, uh, one thing, too, that got me fired up is just spend time on the range and start to dial in your gear. You know, um, I'm sure you've been around this long enough where guys – pull their bow out of the case August 1st and they're like oh shit it don't work <laughs> and then yeah and then they're waiting in good. line yeah waiting in line at sport code and they get screwed so um you know uh so I want to talk a little bit about that process about you know how, do you have a do you have a um you know again we're again we're putting ourselves in that 12 to 12 12 to 9 week window do you have like a my bow's ready checklist for elk season you know, what I do, like this time of the year, I haven't done it yet, but I'll probably do it the, um, tomorrow, is I'll go through and I'll tighten everything on there, make sure everything's tight. Because 
you don't want to sit here and shoot and shoot and then adjust, adjust, and adjust, and then to find out something was loose. So I always tighten everything up, make sure it's nice and snug, and then I'll go out and shoot three or four times, not you know, in different days. So I'll shoot like 60 or 70 arrows one day, wait a couple days, shoot 60 or 70 again, shoot 60 or 70 again. Because what I've found for me is that when I pick up the bow and I haven't picked it up for a month, is that when I shoot it, I always shoot to the left, hmm. like three or four inches. And so then what I have to do, and then sometimes I shoot high, but I'm always left and high or left and low. So what I have to do is just regroup myself and do the checklist and align everything up. So the first three days, what I'm doing is just completely trying to get back to that natural shot so that I'm not changing my um, – my sights left, right, up, down to in four days to do it again. So I'll shoot, shoot, get frustrated and pissed off because I'm not hitting my target. <laughs> yeah. But usually on about the fourth day, I start hitting dead nut every single time. So you you prioritize the first the first thing you end up doing is working on yourself and make sure your 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 process and your techniques dialed in. Hundred percent. Yeah, and you know that was my first three seasons with my bow you know my first two elk seasons and then you know when i first got the bow um before we even met it was just a matter of what the hell do i do with this thing <laughs> i just made this investment right. i have no idea how to do it um and i got coached up a little bit and worked through it but you know that's a process that's always ongoing and that's the most amazing thing about this i mean from a distance you watch an archer and you're like oh he stands straight puts his arm up pulls the bow back lets it go i mean it, done right it looks effortless it looks simple and and that's what's really weird about it like how do you always recreate that and i'll say going into my third year I re i'm glad that you said that because i've always i've decided right off the beginning of this and my journey into archery was like um and this is kind of how i take weightlifting too like it's not the barbell's fault like i'm gonna no. it's me right now in the beginning and i'm kind of in that um and, and and anchoring and and finding that process and what's really cool and this leads into what's been fun about practicing. That that three-hour practice I had today, no music, no earphones in, no noise, nobody else on the range. Like, and part of my process that's really helped me fine-tune my shot process has been deciding that when it's time to train archery or even when it's time to train my fly stroke or even when it's time to train weightlifting, like, that's all I do. Like, you know, um, in especially with something that's technical like archery and even fly um, casting, like no radio. And it's amazing when you pay attention to yourself, actually what you can learn about that process. And again, I think that's in contrast to all the things that distract us from paying attention to other things too. And it's been really helpful for me. Yeah, no, that's, and that's why I don't like, you know, Jeremy LeBlanc, asked to turn the radio on at hunting camp i say no when i get on the gravel road i turn the radio off everything off and start to you know tune my mind into what's coming up and that's the the job of elk hunting yeah because it is a distraction there's a lot and there's a lot of things that can distract you you know oh yeah um but but one of the things like you know what's really cool when you don't have a podcast playing in your ear or some you know song um like you really start to feel like what's a good shot. Like today was one of the, it's probably the second or third time where I've really felt like 
I knew what a good shot was. Or I knew right when I released it that it was a bad shot. Or, like, I could feel, oh, my my shoulder must be creeping. Put it down. Like, to, that was really fun. Like, to... Yeah. And, and, I, and again, I, I don't think I would be getting there if I'm listening to, you know, Joe Rogan talk shit, you know, while I'm trying to learn how to shoot. Like, there's got to be a time where you just say, this is what I'm focusing on. And, you know... It's really weird to say this, but I think I'm actually coming and getting more comfortable with this. Because, and I, I talked about it last time in the podcast. This whole, I've been playing with this waking up app, and I've been doing it for now. I'm going on uh, almost a month with it. Um, this whole meditation thing in the morning, where and then setting your intentions for the day, like it sounds woo woo and hokey, but it matters. It it matters, and then like it today was like I. It was funny. Without even really thinking about it, I pulled up to the range. I turned the Jeep off. I put my hands on the steering wheel, and I said, one, two, three, four. And that's all I'm looking for today. And by one, two, three, four, that's my anchoring process that I talked about. I draw. I find my, I find my, um, I find my jaw. I find my lip. I find my nose. I find my peep. And then I fucking let it roll. And, <laughs> but I sat there, I sat there before I got out of the Jeep and without thinking about it. And this is, this is a, this is because of this meditation process where I've just, I'm, I'm getting into like setting intentions before I start stuff rather than just start them. And you know, this as much as anybody, sometimes we're guilty of just being a bull in a China shop, but man, that, even that, just that setting intentions has been really good. So. Yeah, I do it every single morning that I have for years. I just sit there in my chair. I'll wake up, go down, get my hot water with lemon and honey and um, apple cider vinegar. Okay. And and every morning I just sit there for 30, 40 minutes with my eyes closed with that cup in my hand and just meditate. That's awesome. Because uh, I found if I keep my eyes open, I, I, I can't meditate as well because that too many distractions. I you know, I'm one of those guys that always is looking at everything around me. So when I close my eyes, I'm able to focus a little bit more clearer and, and do my prayer and meditation and stuff. Do you tinker with any breathing, specific breathing practice, or are you just trying to relax? I'm just completely relaxing. Yeah. There... Just And after time, you know, after you do it so much, and, you know, like I said, I've been doing it for years. It's just like, it's like second nature. It's just like the shooting, you know, you yeah. do your one, two, three, four, and pretty soon you're not thinking about it. And like you're, you're saying, you're more cognitive now. You, when you shoot, you know, oh, shoot, I just shot high and left or, oh, I pulled the release a little too soon. I didn't get fully anchored or you're, so the same thing with the, that morning meditation or, or prayer. Well, and the thing that got me was paying attention to my body, too. Like, I knew when the session was over because I just couldn't consistently anchor. Like, as much as I train and whatnot, there's still things with drawing a bow that are really taxing in a strange way. I couldn't I couldn't keep my shoulder engaged, and I just couldn't find my right anchor. And I'm like, done. You know, it's the same thing I've done with lifters where, you know, they come in the gym and, you know, they're, they're, they're lights out. And then all of a sudden, after one rep, it just goes, and I'm like, oh, you did it you're done right and it was cool to be able to pay attention to that in that regard and get that in but on the breathing thing which is really interesting one thing that's been dialed into my process too is um is that you know you can imagine in weightlifting how people brace before they pick up a deadlift or something you know you set your trunk right that 
actually works for shooting archery too. So one thing I brought into my process as well was, um, and this, this is this is something that I'm hoping will become really natural in um, in the woods. But you know um, what I end up doing is I do a little glute squeeze. I take that breath in, and I fill the abdomen, and then I'll bring and I'll hold air, and I bring the bow up. And then before I draw back, just like when you're lifting weights, I'll kind of slowly breathe out, and then I'll hold, hold, hold. And when I was really getting dialed into that process and getting uh, a rhythm with my draw process, that, too, also brought a lot of consistency to the groups I was hitting today. Do you have, do you have, like, a, do you have like a mantra or a, or a breathing process? Because you're, I mean, I've seen you in action, and it's pretty cool how you just – execute really fast i mean that first the cow you killed two years ago it was pretty crazy me you and dave were just walking in the woods and you were leaving <laughs> and then like in a matter of 15 seconds we were drawing orange tape and marking the spot <laughs> like it was i was like what, what? <laughs> yeah i kind of do the same thing as you i i make sure my core's core's tight and then um I, I, it's basically that same little repertoire you're you're talking about. Yeah. I'll, I'll kind of when I when I draw back, I breathe in. I'm just like, and then I let a little breath out, and then I just focus on my target, and then I release. Yeah. No, it's impressive. It's something to think on. These these little things, um, they matter. Um, and well, breathing, it's huge, right? I mean, they they found it to be a stress reliever. Um, they found it to, even with you on, on my program, the last five minutes is breathing, right? In a, in a stretch formation, just to get the oxygen into your, um, into your muscles and in prison and even in the prison systems right now, they're doing all these studies on the breathing and they found that guys that are like really like killers, like the bad, the worst of the worst, they put them through these breathing techniques and they've actually gotten, way more calmer and um they're not as wound up tight and not as um aggressive so there, there's i'm glad you're bringing that up because um even right now i'm bringing two guys in um i contacted um i bullshitted the people who run my school district a little bit i said hey I do this <laughs> i know these guys i can do this breathing work um and uh this this fellow out of physiology first um, and then this other fellow who's a buddy of mine named Rob Wilson, he works for Power Speed and Endurance. He works for a guy named Brian McKenzie. But all their stuff is about breathing mechanics and how it can not only, exactly what you're saying, it could change, it, it changes you in a way. And, and there's real physiology behind it. I mean, when we breathe, we're processing oxygen. And when you breathe certain ways, you can, you can create states of arousal. You can create relaxation. You can create focus and learning to to, to manipulate your breath is a big deal. I mean, um, I mean, a case in point, my kids, Lucy come here across the street crying the other day and we're pretty dialed in with the kids and how we handle them, especially me. And I don't even talk to her anymore because when she comes to me crying and can't breathe, I just give her one of these and I point to her nose. I point to my nose and I'm like, Hey, when you, when you can breathe through your nose, we can talk. <laughs> because look at what a kid does when they come up to you and they're crying <gasps> and when you're yeah, taking, they're like hyperventilating when you're taking that shallow breath and that quick shallow breath you're not getting any oxygen in you're 
you're taking the same oxygen in your mouth <gasps> and pushing it out your mouth. And then the issue that's happening is because you're not getting new oxygen in, you're you're building up CO2, and that's building up stress in your body, and it's it's a really bad thing. And that's why, you know, we have this process, and it's the same thing with the shot process. You just have to do it, and, and the nasal breathing matters. And um, I'll have to see about if Rob Rob's actually an archer too. His wife is um, his wife shoots traditional, and he shoots a um. He shoots a compound. He's never hunted. I'm trying to link him up with my buddy who lives on the eastern shore to go after a Sika deer. But um, he's a cool dude. He could he could he could maybe bring in some neat stuff. Cause one thing that I'm super interested in dialing in, um, when I went on that solo deer hunt, I I've talked about it on the podcast. It was the craziest thing that ever happened to me. I've never been so like. In that hyperventil, you know, the buck fever thing, right? Now, this right, was, right. This little doe walked by this path, but all of a sudden, out of nowhere, when I made eye contact with this animal, I felt like I just ran six miles. I felt like, you know, my wife called me with an emergency. Like, it was crazy. Like, I could <laughs> my chest down. Like, it was wild. You know, it was prom night for me. Like, and, and, and it's just like, it was crazy. So, even, even dialing in that breathing for when that happens again, I think would be uh, a big thing. We should probably bring Rob on and I'll try to get him on and see if we can't talk about it, but it, it, it matters. And it's, it's a hot, topic. it really does. You know, and, it, and it's weird too, right? Like how do we lose sight of something like that? Talk about distraction. You know, we got, we got bills to pay mortgages, you know, we want new cars, you know, what's the new streaming service, COVID this, blah, blah, that. But, we forget that hey, we all need oxygen. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean, we forget about the 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 minor things in life that actually carry us through life. It's crazy, and and talk about that too. Like that's an equalizer, I think, right? I mean, you know, we're you know black, white, this. Um, we all need oxygen, right? And if we all learn to process it, so um, I'm working with some of these guys to, and I bring those two guys up because. Um, uh, what we're doing in my district is um, I'm coordinating two um, breathing seminars that are going to be to teach our staff um, where I want to bring in breathing practices to the classroom. Like, okay, oh nice. you know, what do you, you know, this is what we do the first two minutes of class. We breathe. And um, I can, you know, a lot of teachers don't like some of this stuff because, well, I got to teach my standards. I got to do this. It's one more thing to do. But if you can get these focus and breathing patterns in at the start of class and help kids transition into your classroom, to me, that's the same as just sharpening your ax before you're trying to fall a tree. You know what I mean? And these, right. these kids are so distracted now. And especially in middle school, not only are they distracted by all these devices, they're distracted by what's going on inside their body. I mean, yeah, hormones <laughs> are all over the place. And that's for real. I mean, again, physiology first. I mean, that's real stuff. Yep. So, I'm working with these two guys for my district. Maybe I can also see if I can't get um, one of them to come on to the podcast and maybe talk about some breathing techniques to just simmer things down when buck fever. Or you yeah, know. it's hard, man. Because when it hits you, it's just like, oh, I mean, it's 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 pretty wild. Uh, the wildest. It, it, it's probably because I, I think back to that experience. I was literally sitting against a tree in a bar, and I saw a flash of white. And I was like, oh, man, this is going to go down. I picked Because what was cool is I, I'm walking on this spot. I'm doing this little thing. And this, there was a little meadow. And there was this beat-down game trail. And I said, this thing is used all the time. 
I said, this is something here. I'm going to sit here for a little bit. And I saw a flash of white go by, and then she come creeping up. And um, golly, that was that was wild. <laughs> so, That's so cool. I had doe fever, but uh, we'll work it out. Hopefully we get uh, bull fever. What's bull fever like, Jeremy? I've already seen you have bull fever, dude. <laughs> you just didn't know you had it. It's when you were standing up and down and up and down on that. And then even last year when we got that um, – we had that bull that fired off after you put the stock on. And I looked down at you, and uh, <laughs> I never talked to you about this. But I said, sit up against that tree and don't move. And I looked down there, and you're walking back and forth. Do you remember pacing back and forth? No, I'm trying to think of the scenario. Okay, so we're, you got done doing your stock on that cow, on those cows. Oh, is this late your, season? Yeah. The, no, 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 this is first season. Okay. Oh, this is when we were in the, the this is when the, our friendly logger gave us that tip. Yeah, yeah. And so then we got into the timber, but then we heard the bull grunting down below us. Mm-hmm. And then so we went over and set up, and then we were calling back and forth. And I go, go over there and sit on that ridge right over there. There was a ridge in between two, two it, it, that was like in between us and the bull. Yes. And I looked down. I did the call and I looked down and I saw you pacing back and forth and I didn't know if you knew that you were doing that or not. But it was just, it reminded me of the same thing when you were squatting up and down. Yeah. Because you were so excited. You get that nervous energy, right? Well, you you want to see it. Yes, that's exactly. And you, and, and it's and it, and it grabs a hold of you so hard that you just forget about everything else. It's crazy. And I'll tell you another thing. I'll tell you why I might have been moving. I remember that scenario. Uh I think somebody walked through our the one of our hunting partners walked through that uh, setup we had. No, they were they were even in a whole different unit. I think it was the elk because the elk was right below us. He was he was only seventy yards away. I, I, I wish I could get dialed in on. The, I wish we could get on the right the exact thing that we're talking about. Um, but I I I don't. Well, remember, so we went down. We heard the bull and he grunted and then we're in the, it was real. Um, Is that where we set up in that, that timber that was kind of like a couple trees were falling down? Yeah. Was and like then there was the clear cut and he was down at the bottom of the clear cut. It all runs together, but that, I hope, yeah. I hope it runs together again like this. I mean, cause that, it was, it was like the first actual setup we really did where we had a bull going and he was fired up. Well, I'm I, I'm excited thinking about it, and I'm, I'm excited <laughs> about the preparation for it as much as anything. And um, I want to I want to uh, get back into the shop process, and, and I wanna, yeah, yeah, I want your thoughts on this. Um, one thing I, I I try to do something new with the bow or my shop process every year to just get more. You know, right now I'm pretty reliant on like you know Ryan Black and you for certain things cuz I only have so much bandwidth for this like that article I sent you there's like 15 things on your bow to check in I ain't doing all yeah. that like for me right now I'll go hey Ryan my bow's shooting good but can you give it a once over to make sure you know it's technically sound in your opinion done that check but the one thing I wanted to tinker with was a really simple way to just understand the micro adjustments uh-huh and I never I couldn't wrap my head around it before on like what to do with those things. But um, so the one thing in that article that I did like was checking your vertical and checking your right left. That seemed like a really simple thing to do where, so what I had done is I set up, I set up like a horizontal and a vertical X 
on the target, and I wanted to understand how my micro adjustments were going to affect it. So um, it was a fun shoot because rather than just trying to hit groups and bust knocks and try to hit a spot, <laughs> what was cool is I was working just on those horizontal or vertical lines and making little micro adjustments and just kind of the goal wasn't just to hit a group. It was like, okay, what I ended up doing was I was doing sets of six, but I would try to hit the end of the one line, the other end of the line, and then hit the middle of the line. And But the goal really was to keep the arrow on the line and start to understand how those micro adjustments affect it. And this whole idea. Right. Of, and it was, it was cool too, as a new guy getting into this to finally have that idea of what follow the arrow means in terms of setting those micro adjustments and seeing how a little twist of your sight can really, can really impact it. And especially the further down range you go, those adjustments really yeah. impact it. So I would, you know, anyone out there who's kind of for, for me at least, that was a cool way to really start to understand the bow a little bit more, you know, and that that's, you know, I'd, I'd like to be down the process of tuning the bow and whatnot. I'm just not there yet. I only have so much time to do it. And I'd rather trust Ryan and, and you and some of that stuff. But, but that was a cool place to start to understand some of those micro adjustments. Is there, is there like a thing with your bow that, that you, when, when you do start to, when you do get past your first three to five days and now you're like, okay, my process dialed in, Where's your process start with actually looking at the how the bow's working now? You know, I usually don't have that much hiccups on it because if you're tightening everything once a year and even twice a year, then um, you know when your bow's shooting off once you're once you've got a good shot process, right? Like you said, you know the arrow's hitting the, its target every single time, yeah, and then. If it starts to go off of that, then I'm like, okay, what the heck's going on? And then I'll go through and I'll retighten everything to see if something's loose. And and that did happen to me. So what do you I wanna... tighten in particular? Are you just like uh, you take an Every... Allen wrench to like your sight and and I take an Allen wrench to ever every anything and everything on that bow that can be tightened or loosened, I go through and I tighten. Oh, very cool. So you've got um, mounts for your sight. You have your sights. You have the peeps on their sight. You have um, your drop away rest. There's two on there. Yep. You have your cams. You have um, your stop on your cam. You have your um, your quiver mounts. You have your uh, the other thing you have is what else you got? Your stabilizer, and then. Um, and then there's other, a few other components on there, but and and even the um, where the limbs are at, I make sure that those are nice. Mm. You know that they're kind of that they haven't backed out or what have you, because I always bottom mine out, so that's why I could do it that way. If you're shooting 60 pounds and your bow goes up to 70 pounds, and that's not going to work. But I go through and I tighten every one of those components because two years ago we were out hunting and. I went back and I was like, man, I'm, sh I'm shooting way, way low. And then I was like shooting left. And then I was shooting all over the board and I couldn't figure it out what, what would happen though was that my, um, my, um, my rest, my drop away rest, um, loosened up. Mm. So then I had to go through and do all this micro tuning. Cause I mean, just like in that article, you move at one sixty fourth of an inch 
and it, your shot's completely different. Yeah. So you're having to. I mean, I had, it took me. It took me about 150 arrows to get it back to where it was. Yeah, with all that power and technology, I mean, there's a lot that can happen. And it's funny you say that because there was a moment when I was shooting today where, as I was making those micro adjustments um, and just playing with it, uh, I forgot to I forgot to completely tighten one down. And when I shot, the bow vibrated in a funny way. I said, what the yeah, hell yeah. Is that? And it's funny. And again, paying attention, right? Like, and you start to feel those little things. So. But again, these are things I wasn't feeling the first year, but feeling it now. And I'm like, I keep telling my wife, she's like, what's your problem? I'm like, this is the year. I know it. I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm killing I'm killing two elk and and two deer. And she goes, why don't you just get the first one? I said, well, I ain't buying a tag in Oregon and a tag in Washington to not fill them. I was like, oh, we're going. We're doing it. And she's we're doing like, it. She's laughing at me. But uh, but no, all these things matter, man. But And, and two, two that, that making that micro-adjustment thing, um, and actually trying to shoot for horizontal and vertical lines, not just at groups. Um, it was a fun game I started playing and actually kept me engaged in the pro it's probably why time slipped away so much. So I, yeah, I did that. I did that at, um, I did that at 20, 30 and 40 yards. And then I think next week, if I can get another shot in my next time, um, I'll probably go 30, 40, 50, and I'm going to try and walk things out that way where I can start to hit some, some longer groups. My goal this year Last year with Ryan, we were at it, that Tacoma Sportsman Club, and I hit two X's at 80. Um, I think that would be the goal range this year, to just be really consistent at 80 yards. I don't, I don't think I would take it. Yards. Last year, I wouldn't have taken an 80-yard shot, but it was cool to go in the field knowing that it was there. But I, I would have taken a 50-yard shot. Um, so this year, I would like to be comfortable enough where I could maybe take 60, right? So we'll see. That's a goal. So I'm working it out. Yeah, you should share with everybody how um, what your shot process was on that horizontal and vertical because they're probably wondering what you were doing on an X or a T formation and how you were doing that shot. Yeah, so I was just um, – so, like, my, my site has two micro adjustments, like I think probably most, where you can move the site up or down or you can move it left or right. So what I was just doing was rather than just hitting – usually I just hit groups – but I read that article and I was like, well, I can't do any of this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't have a bow press. I don't really know what they're talking about. Twist what, you know what I mean? Uh, drop away nothing. I was like, you know, I had Ryan look at it. I'm going to assume he looked at it well enough. Right. And you know, I get it. Nobody looks at your stuff as well as you're going to. Right. But that said, I trust Ryan. Um, but I knew that part, that part seemed to make sense to me. So what was going on is, um, when I was aiming at the vertical, line um that was set in my right or left so what i did with my sets was if more arrows after i felt comfortable with the process but if i started to notice that arrows were on the right side of the line i would make a micro adjustment to the right which would force me to then go left a little bit more until all my arrows were on the line and then I repeated the process with the horizontal line, uh, playing with my um, my up and down adjustments. And um, by the end, uh, you know, if you put two and two together with the right, left, up and down, then all of a sudden um, you're hitting it in the middle where you want to. So it was a fun thing to mess with, you know what I mean? And uh, um, it 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 was cool because you know I used to screw with those knobs, not knowing what I was doing. 
<laughs> yeah. You know, it's, like, it's like, you know, whatever. You know, second base for the first time, right? You don't know what you're doing. You're just, you know, whatever. But, <laughs> but you know, you grow up a little bit, and you, you know you know how to handle your lady. You know what you're doing. So it's the same thing with the bow. Like, I felt like I knew what I was doing for once, and, and I could really see how, you know, because I always used to look at those micro adjustments. I'm like, why do they make such little lines on there? But those little adjustments matter, and I saw that today. Huge. In particular, I saw it how um, as you get out further, it really does matter. Um, but I'll, I'll ask you a question. Here's one thing that did happen that was actually a bit a point of frustration for me. When I had my – you can imagine I set up my X. You know, I have the vertical and horizontal line. Um, I was able to hit really good groups after I sighted in and played with my micro-adjustments. I was able to hit really good groups when I aimed for that center of the X, but I also had the little orange stickers. You know what I'm talking about? Them little orange yeah, dots. Yeah. I would. I started putting those on the target, and I couldn't hit a group aiming for that little thing. So it was pretty interesting. I don't. I, what do you think that's all about? I had. I think my eyesight was fatigued, and it was towards the end of the session. So maybe I'll lend it to shoulder fatigue and just being tired, but. That's probably what it was because typically what you want to do is, um, you know, you'll maybe have a three inch diameter of those orange dots yeah. and you shoot at that for a while, but it's like shooting at distance, right? The smaller the dot, the tighter your grouping usually be because it's a, it's a, it's a smaller target. Yeah. So at 20, 30, 40 yards, you have that little dot and you zero in with your peep sight or your sight a little you got to concentrate a little bit more to get that right on there just perfect and you're breathing and you're releasing everything because of bigger diameter one, right? You don't have to as much, uh, you don't have to concentrate as much. And it's the same thing as when you're shooting from far distance. They always say, you know, shoot at 40 and 70 and 80 yards to be proficient at 20 and 30. Mm. And if you ever do that, like here at my house, I only shoot at, at 40, 50, 60 and 70 and then maybe once a month I go to the 20 and 30. And when I get to 20 and 30, I am dead nut. I mean, I'm X's every single time almost. And it's the same theory with the big dot. You put a littler dot in there and you, your shot should be a little tighter because no, you're having to concentrate more. But I bet you you were fatigued if that was at the end. That, that's why I was surprised about it. But then I would go back and I would hit better groups when I was aiming for that bigger X. Um, it was just interesting. It was a point of, fr I'll be honest, it was a real interesting point of frustration. And I don't know if I was like putting more pressure on myself and forgetting my process because I was trying to hold the pin on a smaller spot, you know, like if I was just forcing something that wasn't there, but it's something I want to tighten up, you know, cause the aim, small, the aim, small, miss, small thing, you know, it seems to make a lot of sense, but today it was not happening. I was a little little pissed about it but i also do think it was fatigue because uh, every now you know one out of three it ended up becoming i would hit the spot i wanted um but then also i noticed that towards the end of the session i would be like that wasn't good that wasn't a good shot and then i just shut it down because i was like i think yeah three hours of shooting i mean you probably shot 200 and some arrows i was fired up well you know the wife had off this morning i said and she wanted me to do she said she said um do you want to go grocery shopping i said no <laughs> but 
I'll go grocery shopping if I can go to the range first. And she goes, okay. So I, you know, I got the pass and I went snuck out. I snuck out. So it was good. You know, I did the, I did the old trade, but um, it was fun. It was fun to work through some of that process, man. Um, and uh, it's fun to start to tinker with the bow and get enough confidence. I don't know if I'm there yet where I'm gonna like, you know, take my rest off or adjust my sight and and some of those things. But it's cool to finally be confident enough to you know manipulate the bow a little bit and have have an idea or or something to talk about for a process for you know if something isn't right where i can go you know um but you know it's part of the thing you know what i mean so well and what it does too joe is it gives you confidence in your bow right you're learning and understanding it more so then the more you understand about it and it's all of its functions and these micro adjustments gives you a little more confidence because then when you're out there you're not thinking well, what if my sight goes off, or what if this? Now you're thinking, oh, I can, I can adjust if I need to. Well, my bow's name. She likes to be addressed by Beatrix. That's her name. She likes to be Beatrix. Beatrix. Um, <laughs> all right. That's funny. I uh, that's a that's a it's a throw to one of my favorite set of films, the Kill Bill movies. Uh, Beatrix Kiddo was the hero in those movies, and I, I figured my bow would be a badass broad. If my bow is, you know, because she's kind of curvy. She's warm, but she's, but she's deadly though. Right. And I was like, that's just like, just like Uma Thurman in the Kill Bill movies. And so I call my bow Beatrix. Um, so I got that going for me, but, uh, but that's, but you know, it's kind of, I don't know if it's disturbing or not, but why are you thinking about this? (laughs) Thinking about what? (laughs) But I mean, that's a lot of thought into how to name your bow. Oh, you know, well, I feel like. You know, I'm going to be asking a lot from this bow, um, and I know I like it though. Yeah, I, but, I think it. I think it's cool. I, yeah, just I feel like you know, outside of a vehicle, it's like the biggest personal investment I made in one thing, right? <laughs> and it's not cheap. This Isn't thing. that funny? You can compare it to a vehicle. Yeah, it's, it, it, my, I mean, look, this bow I'm shooting is double what I paid from the first car I drove. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's <laughs> so, nuts. So, so I mean, um, but I, you know, it's, it sounds weird, but I think even if it's made of, you know, carbon fiber, you know, I think that there's a soul into something. Right. And, uh, and I think that part of that comes from you giving a rip about it, you know what I mean? And whether or not that that's real, um, it's real to me, you know what I mean? So rather than, yeah, no, you put a lot of thought in that, dude. (laughs) (laughs) You threw out that explanation. I was like. Yeah, I didn't even know how to ask the question. Yeah, I probably didn't answer it in a very nice way. But um, hey, weirdo. that's cool though. I I think I think it's a good idea. I think that's I, I name all my trucks. Yeah. So I you know this I mean I want a lot from this thing. You know, you know the goal this year is you know like I said I'm I'm like giggle about it, but you know if we can get if we can get a couple elk down between the two of us, then that's meat for the year, and it's really good meat for the year. And oh yeah, you know the more I can, you know, I really do. I'm starting to really come into this idea that we can manipulate things by just being positive, putting thought to it, and paying attention, and really, really setting intentions towards that. And I'm hoping that at the end of the day, it all adds up to. Um, it all adds up to dead animals that I can eat. I think so too. <laughs> I mean, my goal this year is to slow down. Yeah. Because I, I I tend to next ridge it. I got to get to the next ridge. I got to get to the next ridge. So. I'm with you. I mean, I think the other thing that you know I want to, you know, the, aside from getting 
dialed in with the bow, my thing this year too is really I want to put some time, more time into um, scouting the spot out. In particular, where we're going to be going in Oregon, right? To just lay out a game plan, right? That and and have more of an idea of what's going on there. But that'll be we talked about e scouting in our last one together. So make sure you guys check that out and make sure you guys are scouting. Make sure you're putting your time into it. But you know, it's something that matters. It's something that it's something that you know, I seem to, you know, I picked up jujitsu, I picked up hockey a little bit, and um, but this hunting situation has kind of kicked a big part of, it made me dial weightlifting down, it made me dial CrossFit down, you know, it makes, it makes me, I prioritize other things so I can do this more, like it's been a game changer for me, and I think in a really good way, and in fact, I think it's changed my training in a way where I'm training more for longevity's sake, and I can't, I can't say there's anything bad about what hunting's done for my life. Even like, you know, I'll complain a little bit about having to negotiate with the wife about how to get time and what we got to do. But I even think it's made our marriage better because rather than just going and doing stuff, I'm working with her to figure out how to do it. And right. the trade-off for a lot of times has been, you know, I'm doing all this hunting crap in the fall. Why aren't you running races? And, you know, so you end up supporting her in that regard. So it's been really good. You know, I think done right. I don't think there's anything wrong with hunting. I love it. I think it's been the it's been the greatest thing I've brought into my life in the last, you know, what, four or five years. It's been awesome. It's been a big game changer. <laughs> well, hopefully up. we get get you that big elk this year and then then it's over. Oh, it's already over. I mean, I'm talking to my wife right now. There's a spot I'm looking at it right here in my house. It's above it's a perfect spot for a great year amount. And, and <laughs> it's above the door. And the cool part about it is when people come in, they won't notice it. But when they leave, they'll see it. And then it'll make them stay in my house longer because they're going to ask me about it. I know. I got I got the game plan already. <laughs> but um, I'm excited. But I, I did want to bring up one other thing is we're talking about pretty ladies all show. Um, I have a one thing I'm paying attention to a little bit. Uh, something happened today as I was driving away from the range and I have to, I have to get it off my chest. Um, I think I have a closet pump up song that I didn't know pumped me up so much. Do you ever hear the song? It's a country song. Do you, do you know Reba McIntyre? Oh yeah. I had a crush on Reba McIntyre when I was in like elementary school and I still have a crush on her. I'll be honest with you. If I, I don't know how old she is, but I, I, <laughs> I would take a swing, but, um, I, I was driving out of the bow range today, and Fancy came on, and I thought this is a this song is excellent. What a what a that is a good tune. Pump me up. I'm I'm driving down this country road, blaring Fancy and singing at the top of my lungs, and um, it made me think of you know Mama's gonna move me uptown, you know. But I was thinking even from a guy perspective, it's 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 a. Uh, it's my turn to move myself uptown too, so it kind of brought that bow session. I don't know what it was, but it was like I felt I felt just like fancy today that I took, <laughs> I took on top of the world, baby. <laughs> yeah, I took a step today towards like towards taking my own archery process, and it was just awesome, man. So um, I felt a little fancy, I felt felt a little fancy, but uh, but it made me think that fancy fancy might actually be my closet pump up song, man. I don't know. <laughs> every, every time that song's ever come on on the radio. Even with like grown men in the room, I'll sing it. I don't care. It's a great song. It's one of them songs. Well, we'll have to, to listen to it when we're headed over for our big Oregon trip. Yeah, we'll have to do. I we'll have to play fancy, and that'll, that'll that'll get me in 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 the moment. But um, 
you got to so as as we drive into Oregon or as we get ready for this, I mean, uh, is I'm I'm thinking about how to further my process being new into it. Is there anything being seasoned like you are? Where where what are you looking to? Do you have you set an intention or is there something this year? You, oh, you you brought it up. You said you're going to be slowing down. So how? how yeah, I'm going to try to slow it down. How are you going to force that? Well, instead of getting that reaction to just take off running and go to hit each hill, I just got to mentally tell myself to just, you know, slow down in the woods. So through meditation here in the next, in about three or four weeks, I'll just start trying to tell myself, you know, I'll put myself in scenarios where I usually will kind of rush and then I'll just, no, oh, no, no, I got to slow down. So I'll just mentally uh, visualize it. Oh, I like it. So tell I, myself to sit down. When I do this breathing in the morning, there's a process where when I, I'll get into it by just thinking in, out, in, out as I take breaths. I wonder if you, as you're doing, you're sitting in your chair drinking your your cider water with your honey and lemon in it, that hot, that hot, delicious drink. If you uh, if you could just maybe breathe on the on the on the inhale through your nose, you think slow, and on the exhale, you think down. Maybe that's it. <laughs> there it is. There it is. That's a good idea, dude. I'll hold. So listen to this. As as we as we have our little goals, um, I'll remind you to slow down, and um, and you remind me to calm down. How about that? That seems to be sounds what good. We need to do. All right, guys. Well, that's us, Jeremy and Joe. Here, we're gonna uh, slow down, calm down, get ready for elk season. Um, I hope you can. Do you think the listeners can sense my enthusiasm for this season coming up? I can't stop smiling. I, I'm. F- I, I, I I think so, just because of your your new your newfound song. Golly, I am. I don't know, man. <laughs> it, no, great? I'm really pumped up about this year too. I think there's going to be a lot of excitement, and it's it's going to be a good season. Yeah, I think it's going to be great. We got. Uh, do we have confirmation on the new hunter? Is is do we have a new elk hunter coming in camp? Do we know this? Yep, area? Andreas has said that he's going to be there. And uh, I wanted to put this by you. Um, one of Eliza's physical therapy students actually got stationed here at Fort Lewis, and he's an aspiring archer, and he's going on a full deployment, and his deployment is in October. So I was gonna, I was gonna maybe invite him out. He's a young kid, and even if he doesn't get do licensed it. up, I was thinking maybe he'd come around as like a. Is his the last thing to do before he actually goes overseas, and I didn't know if that might be a cool thing to bring into camp. What do you think? I think it'd be awesome. And I, I was I was thinking that when we hit the Washington opener, it might be a good weekend because you know we're going to hit that weekend. So I'll I'll be in contact with it. But I think too that might be something for you guys to do. I mean, Jeremy's really generous with who he invites and brings to camp, and I've been, um, you know, I've I've packed out three animals and killed a turkey. Um, based off of uh, Jeremy being awesome and generous with his time. So maybe um, I really want to pay that forward somehow, bring a new guy in. And I think that would be a really cool thing for all of us to do. Um, so so keep that in mind, guys. Keep paying it forward. I think we need I think we need good guys in the woods, and everyone needs to experience how awesome this can be. Um, before, before we go, though, Jeremy... Let's uh, let's let's uh, let's say nice things to our friends at Ellsworth Socks. What do you think about that? That sounds good, man. Most most advanced socks in the game. Uh, patented V channel technology. Um, you know, I've been screwing up wearing them a lot, Jeremy. Lately, I've been actually like fully submerging my feet in water. 
<laughs> socks won't keep your feet dry if you do that. I'll tell you that right now. But even when you do do that, I've noticed the socks dry exceptionally fast, which is unbelievable. Uh, case in point, uh, when we went up to Lake 22 as a family, uh, I think about a month ago, uh, we were soaked. And I had the Ellsworth socks on. My kids had regular, like, you know, they had cartoons on their socks. So that means they were made of cotton. Um, <laughs> <laughs> their socks are still wet three weeks later. Um, you know what I mean? That, I'm, I'm exaggerating. But by the time we got yeah. home, my feet were dry. Their socks were still wet. So these socks do what they say they're going to do. Uh, we've talked to Pete Dahlgren on the show. They're legit. You don't know what you're missing until you try them. But um, uh, I'm only going to – usually I bring like 19 pairs of socks on elk camp. I'm only bringing two this year. I'm gonna nice. Two pairs of Ellsworth. It's going to lighten the load. So uh, um, get on with it, guys. And if you do, do you remember the code? What's the code? It is B and B twenty. Yeah, save twenty percent, guys. Um, I don't think you regret it. They fit good, and I've even been wearing. Um, I got two everyday use socks out of them too, two pairs, and I think I could legitimately throw out all my socks and just keep the five pairs of socks I have that are Ellsworth. The the heavy winter sock. I have two tacticals, and then I have a I have the hide hideaway sock, and then um, the low ankle sock, and. Um, they, I haven't washed them yet, and none of them stink either. So how about that? Yeah, be sure when you do wash them to put them inside out. Oh, is that a thing? Yep, yep. You want to put them inside out. It'll make them last longer. All right. Well, there it is. Did uh, Is this something you've learned the hard way, or is this a recommendation from Pete? That's just recommendation from Pete. Sweet. I wonder if that's for all wool products, or is that just their blend? with their Yeah, product? all wool products should be um, put inside out. Why? Even all your hunting gear should be all put inside out. If you read all the stuff on it, they say when you wash them in the um, the detergents to put them inside out. Huh. All right. I'm going to do that. I trust you. I'm going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? That sucks, though, because I've been, I've been hammering the kids about putting their clothes in the wash machine right side out. Because when I fold their laundry, it takes double the length if they put it in the wrong way. So I wouldn't worry about it with cotton stuff, but with wool, <laughs> I'm the same way, Joe. I, I, it drives me nuts. I only have so much bandwidth. <laughs> all my micro adjustment stuff is out the window now. You know, <laughs> just forgot it all. All right, guys. Well, before I forget everything I've learned today, we're going to end this show. Um, hopefully, guys, we've given you something to train, hunt, and live your best life possible, Jeremy. Um, you're doing it for me, man. This hunting thing's been a game changer. And um, I think I'm, I think going on approaching 40 years old, I'm my best version of myself I've ever been, brother. So thank you for helping me get along with that. Oh, yeah, man. Thank you for helping me. I'm 47 now, and Ooh, I feel like I'm, I'm 25 again. All right. Well, you guys can all so, do that. And I appreciate the the workout plan. It's been working out phenomenal, and I, I can't wait to ramp it up here pretty soon. All right. Well, that's too. We got a plan for everybody. We got Base Camp. Check that off on the website if you want to see um, what we're talking about. Check it out, and maybe if you have your own individualized needs, um, we can also work with that too. So DM us at Backcountry and Barbells, and we'll hook you up, help you out, get you ready for the season. Jeremy, until the next one. Brother, I appreciate you. Thanks, man. God bless America.